Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, Jenna here. Today, Jeremy and I are excited to welcome Amelia Danzica to the show. Uh, Welcome, Amelia. Thanks for having me, Jenna and Jeremy. Jeremy and I have actually decided to switch things up today with him playing the role of my trusty co-host. So, hey, Jeremy. Hello. (laughs) Amelia is the founder of Growth Molecules, LLC, a company of growth revenue advisors who deliver data-driven customer success strategies to enable teams and customers. ton of questions that we have for Amelia, and I want to start with just getting to know her a little bit better. Amelia, is there anything that you've been reading lately or anything that you found super insightful? Yeah. Uh, you know what, Jenna, I think I'll, I'll share two things. One, I'm teaching a course at St. Mary's College of California about marketing analytics. And I'm teaching from this book called Data Driven Marketing, the 15 metrics everyone in marketing should know. It's an old book. It's 10 years old. Mark Jeffrey of the Kellogg School of Management wrote it, but these 10, these 15 metrics are still so relevant. And while some are super heavy in math in general, sales, marketing, and customer success professionals should be able to confidently speak about these type of metrics. So I found this book very interesting. Hopefully my students are enjoying it as well. And then a more fun one is yesterday, Dave Kellogg, uh, he's an advisor and angel investor uh, blogged about how to lead a strategic board discussion. And in the blog, he writes about how sometimes you are surprised by who you're, you're presenting to if you're going into a board conversation. And so as a customer success professional, I've had this happen too. And I, I just laughed out loud. I was drinking hot tea last night when I, when I read this blog and it said, you know, you might be surprised a few of the people who you're presenting to are going to be 23 years old. And so for anyone who's my age, I'm in my 40s, it's just like an interesting experience to go through when you're presenting to someone half your age, might be the age of your child. And so, you know, it just, I found it very interesting. I highly recommend the blog for anyone who is presenting to a board now or in the near future. Oh, it sounds like a good good Google search on the on the teaching the data driven class. I was actually going through some threads on modern sales pros this morning, and somebody asked very precisely a question that relates to that class. They were asking, "How do I brush up my SaaS analytical skills?" If you were to answer that question, how would you go about answering it? You know what? I would, first of all, my teenager would say, "Mom, just YouTube it." So <laughs> there's one. But I did recently write a, a blog for Forbes about customer success metrics that I wish I knew when I was starting in SaaS a long time ago. And so I put five metrics together that I said I actually think everyone in SaaS should know them because at your all hands on Friday afternoon when everyone's drinking beers. It goes over your head if the CEO starts showing a bunch of graphs and and talking a bunch of jargon. If you don't know what they're talking about, you're checked out. And so I'm, Jeremy, if you send me that link, I'm happy to share the article or I'll email it to you later. Well, you can't not go into those five metrics after teeing that up. It sounded like a softball, but I didn't know that was coming. What, what, What are those five metrics? And can you go into a little bit of detail on each of them? 
Yeah, you bet. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll give a teaser uh, in the metrics. I mean, I think being able to speak, no matter how much you want to talk about net revenue retention, so how much is being sold, renewed, plus expansion, upsells, cross-sells, and resells, especially if you have lost your champion, you're in customer success, you might suddenly be reselling. Uh, something you just finished onboarding. So you want to make sure that everyone understands net revenue retention. But if you have been in a board meeting, people want to know about churn. So while everyone today wants to talk about the positive, like, hey, look at how great we're doing, board members want to know about churn and what are the causes? What? How can they help mitigate the churn? Uh, so I think those are two really important ones. Another one, I would argue, while many people hate this score, at the end of the day, board members care about it. And that's your NPS, your customer satisfaction. And more than ever, with social media and the rise of the voice of the customer, you have to be measuring continuously the customer's voice throughout the journey. So I think those are a couple more that everyone should understand uh, before you start talking all this jargon to your employees, why not make it part of your onboarding pro process? Like, hey, here's some acronyms you might hear us talk about. Here's why they're important to you and to our organization. If you're all aligned speaking the same language, you're all able to move in the same direction in a more constructive way, shall we say. Everyone understands the vision. Yeah, so those are all really great metrics. Um, I see that you've worked with a lot of really great companies, created customer success playbooks, likely incorporating all of those metrics. Uh, what is the first thing that you generally do when you go to work with a company and you're assessing their landscape and trying to determine how to proceed with creating a customized customer success playbook for them? Besides talking to customers, so putting yourself in the customer's shoes, I will want to talk to the executives, to the customer success managers that are thriving in their roles and really knocking it out of the park with renewals, expansion, building customer relationships, but also the ones that are struggling. And maybe newer people who may not be working closely with customers yet, they'll give us insights into what's, what's missing, what they need to be really successful. And then I like to do a SWOT analysis, just going becoming a detective. So looking at all the strengths of the company that I'm able to find online, looking at the weaknesses, maybe there's no social media presence, no G2, or maybe there's tons. Are they being addressed? Those kind of things are really important. Obviously, opportunities for expansion, growth, enabling your customers and the customer success professionals, and then weaknesses right? No one wants to talk about weaknesses, but the reality is no one's hiring me to build a playbook if we're not addressing the weaknesses, because I have to be able to show value or impact of these playbooks uh, long after I'm gone. Are there any common trends or in weaknesses that you see when you are doing these initial evaluations that you see a lot of companies struggling with? I'll give two very different ones. So the first one is I have a lot of CSMs that I coach that will come to me, pay me out of their pockets to help them on practicing their executive business reviews or how to run an onboarding with the customers to show value. 
And I'll always ask, I, I send an intake type of form and ask, why are you hiring me? Like what went wrong with your CS enablement? And they said, it's great. They certified us in the product. They told us how great the company is, but they failed to enable us on asking the right questions during onboarding, during executive business reviews, and then just any meeting to uncover opportunities to deepen the relationship. And I always say, don't have a check-in for the sake of a check-in, right? That is a huge waste of your time and the customers always have an agenda. And so you can't expect CSMs to, to know how to do their jobs. You enable salespeople with rigorous training before they, they're fully ramped up and now on, on a quota. Why aren't you doing that with CSMs? Why aren't you equipping them with the right questions to ask so that these conversations have a high impact every time? So that's one example. Now, the other one is leadership. Leadership there's a book, I wish I could remember what, what it's called, but I did send it to a CEO that I really admired, but I felt like he was struggling. So I sent him this book about how being a CEO is one of the loneliest jobs in the world. And right right now I'm coaching one. And I said, what's holding you back from like being really successful? Like you just sent me all this information about you. Like it feels like you're suffering from imposter syndrome. And he said, well, I have this fear of letting go. I have this fear of letting go. And so these kind of things prohibit your teams from excelling. If, you, if you're micromanaging every single thing as a leader, you're not letting people like Jenna or Jeremy run their teams. I mean, you hired them because they have the expertise in doing their jobs. Why are you micromanaging them? Step back. Those are the two tips. Enable your customer success professionals, and then enable your leaders to do the job you hired them for. Having read a lot of leadership books, I was trying to divine which book it might be, but I think that almost every CEO who writes a book talks about how lonely the job is. In fact, I just read Connecting the Dots by John Chambers, and he was citing the same exact thing. Going back mm -hmm. to your comment about how CSMs can add value during executive business reviews, I know the complaint is often that a lot of those EBRs are sort of just chock full of usage data, which the customer could pull in theory themselves. What are some ways that you recommend CSMs can add value to their customers during an EBR? Well, I would start with making sure the right people are in the room. So before you even have the meeting, connect with your champion, your day-to-day -day user that you work with, and make sure that the right people are coming and that you have the right agenda that the people that you want to actually ask questions to are going to be there for the entire time. So, so asking up front to make sure they'll one, show up, and two, if they have to leave early. And then give them a reason to show up. Tell them in advance in the agenda, for example, what will be discussed. And last year when I was acting as an interim customer success officer, I worked with this team and we had chorus in place. And I started looking at the voices, how much the CSMs were speaking versus the customer. Executive business review should be an opportunity to uncover opportunities to expand the relationship. The customer doesn't really care about your product. They care about the impact your product is making on their business. And so you want to make sure you're spending more time asking questions than talking about the product. And I would say that is very important. And over the course of three months, 
as a team during our weekly meetings, we would look at the voices, how much the CSMs were speaking versus the customer. And over the course of the three months, we worked to lower it below 45%. It was really exciting for them to like learn how to be silent, actually learn to listen and ask the right questions so that the customer feels heard and that the plan you're going to create for the next quarter, the next year is actually about their business, not your product. One thing that actually stood out to me in that, you know, you kept saying how the CSM as part of that EBR, I I know a lot of companies have different definitions of CSMs and whether they're strategic, are they running the EBR, QBR, um, how involved is sales? I just want to understand what you've seen when you've gone into the companies and seen either the current state of how they're doing it or how it was after you've implemented that playbook. It all depends on the maturity of your company and the complexity of the product. You may, in an executive business review, have a technical account manager, a strategic account manager, and a salesperson. So really, the complexity will determine who's on your team that will show up to represent the company. And then if you have a less complex product and you're earlier in the maturity of your company, it may just be sales doing account management and then the CSMs only doing the proactive outreach and facilitating with maybe support or they might be support. Sadly, CSMs, Jenna, you've been a CSM. uh, You can probably attest to this. We're often in a firefighting mode. And so that is because it's poor planning up front, not investing in customer success early enough. So I don't have an answer for you. I think I would start with the customer journey and understanding where is the product in terms of complexity and then where are you in terms of maturing your customer success organization. Regardless of the answer, educate your customer on the kickoff. Where do I get support? Who are you as your CSM? What are you responsible for? And then what happened to my salesperson? Is that person involved anymore? Do they just show up once a year? Educating your customer will help them be a better customer, but you have to do it early on or they develop really bad habits. So hopefully that answers your question. I also noticed that you really emphasize that proactive role of the CSM. And I think that's something that a lot of teams struggle with uh, in terms of proactive versus reactive, the divide between CS and support and how, you know, a a lot of CSMs end up being more of that reactive role because that's how they're viewed by the customer. How do you fundamentally change that within an organization? Yeah, I, I would say that's one of the things we've been doing more than anything at the beginning of this year is working with companies to build their customer success journey. Everyone thinks the customer journey is different and everyone thinks that their role in the customer journey is different. So being able to bring everyone on a Miro board or whatever platform you use to to align is one, not only fun for us, but also uncomfortable, not only for us, but for the people in the other side. What I'm trying to say is if you start with the customer journey and making sure that everyone in your organization is aligned with their role that will be a very good first step before you can even explain to the customer, well, here's your role in that journey. Here's how we're going to help you be successful. 
As you were saying that, I was reflecting on this great, it's not actually a debate, I don't think, because it's an and more than an or, but it's about sales prospecting where people talk about personalization, which is you know, not personalization at scale, but personalization where you're actually taking the time to engage a person, you know, like referencing those five tips in your Forbes article. In the CS world, I'm curious where you come down on of personalization versus relevance. And here's what I mean by that is let's say that you were to map out, you know, the next 12 months of touch points between a CSM and a champion. And relevance would be, I know that a person, you know, we sell to a variety of people, chief revenue officers, rev ops people and so on. But like, let's say people were in a CRO role, we might give them sort of a trick or tip. And throughout the journey, right, we could we could sort of make it relevant to them, but not necessarily personal to them. The alternative would be to really think about what is the specific set of outcomes that person was trying to achieve and then take the time to make that like that the CSM would take the time to figure out a very directly personalized tip or trick for them. Where, where do you come down on on finding you know the right answer to to those touch points? I believe you have to start with segmentation and understand at the very highest level, what communication can you use across all of your customers? And according to what touch points, let's say it's in a 12 month journey, what can we automate in a way that it still feels somewhat personable? I'm seeing more and more technologies out there include videos of themselves, uh, introducing themselves, having walkthroughs in the platform so that it can say, hi, Jenna, welcome to X product, ready for a tour. And then you feel like there's some customization. I think CSMs in general, at least in my experience, they're open to any automation of communication throughout the, the journey so that they can focus on being proactive when it matters. Like, do things that let the customer know that you care. And then there's so much technology and automation out there. Why not use a product like SalesLoft to automate some of the touch points if something hasn't happened with the product recently or has happened? I think most customers will appreciate the outreach rather than, hi, it's time for renewal. Let's have a QBR. That's like the worst feeling possible. I'd rather have a continuous touch point that's automated than just once a year with a renewal. Yeah, a couple other ideas that or of things people have done for me that I, I found really valuable. One is is peer introductions. Uh, and I mention this all the time because I'm pretty passionate about the topic. But if they were to introduce me to my peer at another customer where we could just share best practices. And there's really, I mean, they're not on the CSM's not on the call. They're just facilitating the introduction. I think that's, I think that's super valuable. And then sometimes it's just truly ways to get more value out of the product, things that we're not using without spending more money. In what contexts do you feel that CSM should have commercial responsibility and in which context should they not? I think every person in a SaaS company should have commercial responsibility. And what I mean by that is if your company is measuring NRR, then a component should be tied to that. If you know that you're going to get a $10,000 bonus at the end of the year, if we can increase NRR by 5%, guess how much more dedicated every employee will be. So I truly believe money speaks no matter 
how much what people say it does. And so even if you can tie a small component, every employee in your organization should be tied to that. More specifically, your question, I'm driven by challenges and goals and financial incentives. I I am, I'm not going to deny it. So I don't know if I'd ever honestly work for a company that wasn't set up in a way that had a structure where if I'm going to work really hard, I'm going to be compensated for it. I mean, I, th- I think that's only fair, especially if I see other people around me slacking off and not having the same focus that I have. Why should we all, we all be paid the same? I just don't agree with that. The most common comp structure I see in the CS world is is a team bonus, right? Is a base salary plus a team bonus. And the team bonus is often based on NRR or something or churn, right? Something very, very similar, some flavor of the same thing. What you'd sometimes see is CSMs also having a quota for upsell, very specific, right? Like there's these opportunities that need to convert into into new business. And there's a like a, an individual CSM dollar value associated with that, or the CSM is tasked very specifically with renewals. When should they have that sort of hyper-direct responsibility? And I do love your perspective, by the way, on on having everybody in the company get a little something-something out of out of the NRR. If your customer success manager is not enabled to have a renewal or expansion conversation, why are you tying it to their salary? So you spend so much time on RKOs, SKOs, training your salespeople on how to have expansion conversations. You bring in all these sales experts, but are you doing that for CS? You might not be teaching them how to have those conversations. Why are you tying money to that then? Uh, Is it to save some money because they might be cheaper? I'm not sure. So regardless, I don't care who it is, sales or CS, educate the customer on who will be talking to them about the contract and then make sure whoever you put in front of them has read books like Never Split the Difference, um, is being trained on a regular cadence. I mean, you have to practice that muscle memory, that that muscle to have those difficult conversations and how to be firm about the value they're getting. So one theme that I kept hearing throughout this entire conversation that I'd love to just drill into a little bit. We we talked about it, the investment in customer success. It seems like a lot of companies don't invest early enough. And it sounds like that's something that you've seen a lot. When is the right time? How do you navigate when you maybe miss the boat a little bit on that? I will say 90% of my clients engage with me when there is a fire. When the board has said churn is a major flag right now, fix it. That's when we can go in and build these customer journey maps and playbooks and do an assessment and understand the gap analysis and all the things that I'm so passionate about. The companies that I've had the opportunity to work with where they've done it right from the get-go have been very successful. My very first client the, the founders sold maybe the first 20 deals, proved the concept, got some seed money, and then moved their first salesperson over to become a CSM. He had no idea what he was doing. They brought me in for 20 hours a week, and I worked with them to build their playbooks, their customer journey, and customer marketing. They sold the company two years after I left for a very 
nice sum of money and were very successful in that they put the customer first at the center of their growth strategy, sub 1 million in ARR. They're like, we want to raise money. We don't want churn to be an issue that holds us back from the right investors. Let's make customer experience and success central to our growth strategy. And they had maybe 15 people. Those are the success stories I love. So I think that's my answer is the earlier, the more successful you'll be because you're really, again, putting the customer at the center of the experience. I think with that, um, we're out of time for today, but would love to give our listeners uh, an outlet to reach out to you. Um, What would be the best way if somebody was trying to get in touch with you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, either under Growth Molecules or Amelia Danzica. Yeah. And definitely feel free to check out the blog post Amelia was talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I know I am going to. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me, Jeremy and Jenna. Thanks, Amelia. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.